comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. The whole theme that we've been working on is the mark of a true Christian. And what is the mark of a true Christian? It is overcoming evil. Really, that is, as we walk on this earth, we have to overcome. And I wanted to look at the definition of overcome. Overcome, the first part is to succeed in dealing with a problem or a difficulty. This is now, according to the dictionary, to succeed, to overcome, is to succeed in dealing with a problem or a difficulty. I do not believe there is anyone here who's never had to deal with a difficulty or a problem, and we had to learn to overcome. Yes? And whether it was a little problem like losing something or a big losing something like a an object like I recently lost my driver's card and that's a big deal but really there have been way bigger crises in my life than losing my driver's card right or something bigger to overcome is to succeed in dealing with that the second part of the definition is to defeat an opponent and we all have an opponent the devil is our opponent and believe me whether you believe in him or not he is alive and well and kicking and his plan is to be our enemy to steal kill and destroy as the bible says right and it's to defeat our opponent or it is a feeling or an emotion. If I am overcome with fear, fear grips me. If I'm overcome with joy, I'm full of joy, lots and lots of joy. And if I'm overcome with love, I'm very in love, right? So it's to be overcome with an emotion. Synonyms for the word overcome are to be affected, to be beaten, to be buried, to be conquered, to be defeated, to be overthrown. And it's beautiful because Jesus says we are more than overcomers. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by, the, by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. I want us to look, I thought this morning of looking a little bit at Matthew chapter 18, and it opens up and Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's teaching them, and he's, they, they, they come to him, so the teaching starts with the disciples coming to Jesus, now you can only begin to imagine what they were discussing, that they come to Jesus and say, Jesus who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You can imagine the argument behind the scenes. 
They must have been debating. They must have been naming the greats and arguing their different opinions. And Jesus calls a little child. He takes the little child, little child. He places the little child in the midst of them. And he says this. He says, unless you turn from your sins. That's the first part. To overcome in this world, to overcome evil, the first thing we actually have to do is turn from our sins. And he says, and become like this little child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes humble as this little child is the greatest in heaven. What an unexpected answer. They were arguing about who was the most powerful prophet. It must have been Elijah calling heaven, uh, fire from heaven. No, no way. Moses opened the sea. They're busy arguing. And Jesus doesn't even point to one of the prophets. There is an innocence to a little child with a pure trusting heart and no questions. Innocence, no questions. What you tell them, they believe. And if you were here for Tomorrowland, you would have had you would have heard Gavin share his testimony about when he was at school and he was young, he believed what people told them. Do you remember that? I didn't know that. It was the first time I ever heard Gavin share that. And he he shared that they would mock him and deliberately make up rubbish stories to mock him and he became very skeptical as a result and chose to believe nothing he heard that was his testimony and eventually that affected his faith and he shared how he came to believe Jesus as Lord and Savior as a result of that and so yeah you've got the disciples and they're arguing and Jesus points to this innocent child And he says, the heart that God wants us to have is that we don't question like a child. We don't doubt. You know, a child may ask a question, but whatever you tell them, they nod. They believe. They may ask another question to understand, but they believe. And God wants the best for us. Then... Jesus goes on to tell them about the parable of the lost sheep. He says that a man had a hundred sheep and one wandered away. Have you ever watched a horror movie? They are in the forest. There is a thing in the forest. Whatever thing you want it to be, a monster, a man, a psycho, And one of them says, you stay here. Let me go and see what caused the noise. And the thing, whatever the thing is, doesn't go for the crowd waiting. It goes for the one who was left to go and see. The shepherd left the 99 because there is always safety in numbers. And he went after the one. Because the danger is always for the one who wanders away. 
the dangers there. What caused the sheep to wander away? It could have gotten distracted. You know, the grass always seems greener on the other side. Money can be the bait. A person, a relationship can be the bait. And I want to say to you, there is great danger in leaving for an ungodly alliance. Whether it is in business, whether it is personal, there is great danger. That is like that little child leaving the safety and protection of their parents to go with a stranger. You know they will not be cared for like the parents would care for them. You know they will not be provided for like the parents would provide. And much danger can come their way. You'll see if a child is told to go with a stranger, generally a little child, they will cling to their parents for fear of danger. And that is the heart that Jesus is asking us to have for the Father, that we cling to him. And that is how we become overcomers. Opening the door to sin will be the bait. And we always seem to think we are in control when we open the door to sin. We, we know what's going to happen to you if you open the door to sin. We can tell you from A to Z all that the Bible says about what is going to happen to you if you open the door to sin. But it is different for me. That's what we always think. We always seem to think we know better, and we think we are always the exception to the rule. When we wonder, we can take ourselves off track, but we can take others off track with us. Because have you noticed when we wonder, we never wonder alone? I know this was one sheep, but you know, after we wonder for a while, we begin to recruit. We begin to say, well, I'm not going there. I'm going there. Why don't you come with me? What Jesus is saying is we need to hold firmly onto our morals. We need to be the one that actually stands firm. You see, when we think we are the exception, those are signs of arrogance, signs of arguing. Remember, a child l listens to learn. Signs of arguing and rebelling in order to justify what we are doing that is wrong instead of overcoming evil. When we wander away from the protection of the shepherd, we do become vulnerable. But we need to remember, having said that, that the shepherd will never stop searching for us because he's not, the Bible says, Jesus said this, he's not willing that any of these little ones, back to the picture of the child, should be lost. When we wander away, we often open ourselves up to sin and become, listen, what we never were. We become, for example, insecure. We become jealous. That's not who we are, but who we've become because we opened ourselves up to sin, to possibly bad relationships. We will say, I don't know what's wrong with me. This is not me. This is not who I am. I'm, I'm not like this. I never used to be like this. 
you've ever caught yourself saying that, you know that there was a point you wandered away and you are doing things you never used to do and you cannot understand why you are in this place of pain, but you wandered away. We've all wandered away. So we have got to ensure that we do not wander away. But when we do, we need to remember there is a shepherd who is looking for us. Jesus in Matthew 18 verse 5 then speaks of if another believer sins against you, you go to that person privately and you attempt to, listen, resolve the matter. That means fix it. Not tell them what you think, but fix the matter. And then he says, and if he responds, your relationship is restored. That's all that it's about. The fixing up of, the restoration. Again, a picture of a child. A child is actually used to being in a position where they're being taught. Their function is literally one of playing and one of learning. It is uncomplicated. A child is used to being rebuked. They will be playing, and suddenly they'll hear, no. And they'll realize that they're not supposed to put their finger in the plug. But they were just playing. But they've now learned something. However, Jesus goes on to say, if their heart is closed, don't leave it. Go back with two people. And the point is, again, for restoration and a joining of hearts. So the people you go back with must be peacemakers. Because sometimes we just want people to go back with us so they stick with our point. They must be peacemakers, godly people with wisdom. Now, I remember, let's go back to the picture of a child. I would remember my girls being small and fighting or not listening to me. And I would talk and talk and talk and they would not listen. And eventually, I would say to them, right. I'm phoning daddy. And suddenly the behavior changed. <laughs> Jesus says, if they refuse to listen, share with the congregation. Wow, this is getting quite real. In hopes of restoration. Why was this so important? To keep the purity, to keep the sweetness. But Jesus is just teaching. It's not even about this. I'm getting to the important part. What happens at a school when a child misbehaves, especially when I was at school? <laughs> I'm talking from my experience. They get sent to the headmaster's office and you knew. You knew the rod was coming out. It was to help everyone to stay in a place of overcoming evil by not following the bad example in rebellion and through the discipline everyone else learned, right? Jesus is leading to a point and he says, whatever you forbid, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And Jesus, yeah, is getting to the crescendo of his sermon. Whatever argument the devil has against you when you wander away, when you bind it on earth, it will be bound in heaven. 
And every teach, teaching Jesus gives is leading to the cross. Everything Jesus is saying, he's pointing to the cross. And the basis for our legal argument against overcoming evil. You see, the devil has an argument when we sin. He has an argument. No, I'm a Christian. No, you sinned. The devil now has an argument. But the blood of Jesus, the blood mercy, the blood of Jesus. He ends off by saying this, Jesus. I also tell you this. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among you. Jesus is teaching the ultimate to overcoming evil, that we stand together in unity, in harmony. When we do that, nothing can come against us when we're together. Nothing can come against us when we're in unity. No family can be pulled down. No marriage can be pulled apart. No business can be pulled down. No church can be broken. No nation can be taken over. If we stand in unity, where there is unity, there is harmony. Many, many times throughout the years, people have come to me and said, it is beautiful to see how close you guys all are in your family. In fact, many people have said to me, I can't relate because when our extended families, when the big family gets together, there's big trouble. And they couldn't relate. You know, it is Christ that holds all things together. It is faith in Christ that does that. And to overcome evil, we must cling to the word of God and do it. And do it. So Jesus is talking about prayer, coming to him in prayer in order to overcome, to agree in prayer. And sometimes you don't get the outcome you asked for, but you still stood together in prayer. And I'll give you a silly example. I lost, I renewed my driver's card this year. It costs money to do that and a time. And then I don't know how, but I lost it. And I had to rebook online. My booking is tomorrow, but I have been driving with an expired Lord have mercy, card in my car. And there's a group of beautiful young ladies that drive with me. And I said to them, please, girls, you need to pray with me that we find this. And my, my ultimate was that God would increase their faith when I say I found it. Because we're all praying. We were all praying. Well, I didn't. And I was saying to God, you know, Lord, it would have been so nice to increase their faith, to show them God answers prayer. But you know what? It doesn't matter the answer. It's that we stood together in faith, believing him. Jesus is talking about prayer, about coming to him to overcome. And it's important that we stand in unity. Now, this is really powerful. You can imagine the disciples leaning in, they started with, who's the greatest? They made it all about one. And Jesus starts talking about the many. 
the hundred sheep, the unity. He'll go after the one so that in order to overcome, you are many. And then in the midst of all this incredible teaching, Peter interrupts, just like Peter would interrupt, right? And says, Lord, how often should someone forgive? If, how often should I forgive if someone sins against me? Seven times? Where did that come from? Did Peter feel like he wasn't listened to when they were arguing about who's the greatest in heaven? And as Jesus answered, maybe he felt like he had a point that was valid. Did he feel like he was right all along? Who did he feel of the 12 needed to hear that answer? And he then continues, Peter, and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. Peter often thought, probably thought this was very important, that he interrupted Jesus. And Jesus responds. He says, therefore, the kingdom can be compared to a king who decided to bring accounts to date with servants who had borrowed him money. Peter must have thought, where did that come from? And Jesus goes on to explain how as he began to look at all the accounts, he saw an account of one of his debtors that was millions. And he calls him and he says, you need to pay this. You need to pay up. And the debtor says, I cannot. Please be patient with me and I will pay it. And the, debt, the, the, the king was going to sell him and his wife and all his belongings to pay the debt. But when he begs for mercy, the, the master, the king or the master, depends on what, what version you read, says, release him. I will forgive his debt. And you know, Jesus is now answering Peter's question. When we forgive, when God forgives us, he does two things. He releases us from the burden of that. And he forgives us. And this is exactly what he said. Release him. When someone has done something to us and we forgive, we do more than forgive. We release them. So he says, release him and forgive his debt. The problem now comes in that he, Jesus going on to tell the story, says he leaves. He literally walks out of that position where he owes no more money. He owed millions. I want you to think about that because I thought about that. Yesterday, I owed millions. I didn't know how I was going to pay. It was a stress in my life and I have just been forgiven a million. I don't have to pay that. That is huge. I should be going out and throwing a party. But instead he goes out, grabs the first person who owes him money, nothing in comparison compared. And he says, you will pay me now. And he says the same, please be patient with me. I will pay you. And he says, no. He has him thrown into jail, arrested and thrown into prison because he wants the debt paid in full. And the other servants that are watching are traumatized. And they run to the king and they tell the king what happened. And the king calls him back. And he says this to him, you evil servant. I forgave you a tremendous amount. Shouldn't you have mercy? And then he had him thrown into jail 
to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. He went from a million cancelled back to owing the money. Crazy. Then Jesus says, Peter's still going. And Jesus says, that is what my father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. There is so much suffering in the world as a result of other people's sin, both globally and in the community, and also at an individual level. And in this passage, Jesus sets out a way for reconciliation. He calls his disciples, and we are his disciples, to limit, to unlimitless, unlimited forgiveness. Jesus says that when people sin against us, we are to forgive them, not just seven times, but 77, 77 times, or 70 times, seven, or whatever, it's a lot, trust me. Forgiveness is not easy. But the cross reminds us how costly and painful it is. Forgiveness does not mean approving of what the other person did. It does not mean you're excusing what they did. It does not mean you're denying what they did. It does not mean that you're pretending that it did not hurt you. Rather, you are aware of what the other person has done and yet you're called to forgive. And you choose to put it away from your mind and not let it have any space in your head. In your personal relationships, you have to lay aside all malice, revenge, retribution, and show mercy and grace. And this is, this is what C.S. Lewis wrote. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive. Forgiveness can be extremely hard. Unforgiveness destroys relationships and it gives the devil an argument against you because he knows what the word says. Your willingness to forgive is evidence that you know God's forgiveness. Forgiven people forgive. Jesus, our daddy no go fi fail us. 
Daddy, we don't talk, say it's finished, oh You know, got you waiting for break us Go down in any weather You hold me down forever Who love is your agenda, oh Who I'm in love with, Abba So I go hold you forever I go chase you forever Do you think that you don't do I don't go trust you forever, Darling, Lord, I can never worry, oh no. 